You are listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 35 West Shelton Avenue. For more information, visit us at circleofhope.church. While they make that transition, um, I want to talk to you about wisteria. Does anybody know the plant wisteria? Does anybody have one? I know, I'm looking at the gardener in residence. Mary literally is wearing a t-shirt that says garden gangster. And I noticed that as soon as she came in. I love it. Um, Yeah, I want to talk about my wisteria and loneliness and Paul's letter to the church in Philippi. Um, I'll start with with wisteria. So it is a vine that blooms in the spring, these these long purple flowers that smell amazing. And I have a wisteria plant that I was growing along the back fence, the back of my yard. Um, And it was growing all over the place. It's very fast growing and it wraps itself around anything that it can and spreads. Um, But my neighbor was not enjoying the fact that it was growing all over his fence and climbing, grabbing tree branches that were low hanging and climbing up into the tree. So I dug it up and I put it in a pot, hoping that it could provide some shade for my back porch up against the house. In the afternoon sun, we get beating afternoon sun. So I decided I would try to grow this thing in a pot. But it had to sit in the pot um, out in my yard all winter long, all fall and winter last year, because we were redoing our back porch. So there was no place for it to sit. And I didn't know if it was going to make it. Through all the snow and the ice and the freezing and thawing, I kept just kind of keeping an eye on it but I had my doubts that it was gonna survive because the roots not being protected underground um, get more exposure in a pot. So then in the spring, I wanted to move it up to our new porch, but it's in a planter that's so big and heavy, it would be impossible to move. So I had to dig it up again out of that pot, get all the dirt off, to transplant it up to the porch and then carry bucket by bucket of the dirt up to the porch and then repot it again. Trying to preserve the root system, um, it was quite a process and I was very doubtful that it was going to make it. So then all through April and, and May, I kept watching it for signs of life and it looked very dead. Week after week, I checked it, and finally, it started to send out little green shoots from the tips of the branches, but then also all the way down the little trunk. Um, Fresh green was pushing out and began growing all these new branches. I was so happy. You can ask my family, probably a little unrealistically happy that this thing made it through the winter. I had thought it was dead, but it was only dormant. And um, I was reassured through these signs of life that that it it was still alive. So I thought about this wisteria as I was reading the end of Paul's letter to the Philippians uh, because he writes about how happy he is 
that they have revived their concern for him. What, what he thought might be dead or dormant in their relationship, in their partnership, has bloomed again, and he is overjoyed. We have been in this letter that Paul wrote to the Philippians for the last five weeks in these Sunday meetings, and we finally get to the end of this letter, and he tells us essentially the, what prompted him to write the letter. Their friend Epaphroditus had come to Paul with gifts from the church in Philippi. And those gifts reassured him of their love and their partnership. We don't know how long it had been since he had heard from them, but he's in prison. It likely was at least several years. Um, So it had been quite some time that he was holding on to them in his heart, but not knowing. And this gift of love that Epaphroditus brings revives. He says, I'm so grateful that you've revived your concern for me. Um, A friend of mine this week was telling me that she has been lonely. I was so grateful for her honesty. Loneliness is something that all, all of us can relate to at some point. And there are very common circumstances of life that can lead to loneliness. Um, But I was just noting how many of them are connected to COVID and what's happened over the last two years. Uh, A loss of someone in your life. Going through some kind of relational breakup. All these things can trigger loneliness. Um, Losing the social contact that one has had at work or at school. Any change that leaves you isolated from the people that you're normally connected with, uh, starting or ending school or work or moving, having a child, managing chronic or acute illness, anything that takes time and energy that may have before been available for relationship and connection with others. Losing community networks. The list goes on and on. I'm sure you could add your own reasons. Sometimes there isn't even one particular event or life circumstance that triggers our loneliness. It's a common part of our human experience. All these things can interrupt our ability to experience meaningful and meaningful social connections that we want to have. And just because the restrictions are lifted regarding the pandemic doesn't mean that we don't feel out of practice or um, still navigate barriers, um, other barriers that exist to that kind of meaningful connection that we need. So as I was thinking about loneliness this week, I was wondering if Paul was lonely. He was on house arrest and didn't know if he would ever get to see his friends in Philippi again. Um, Again, it was likely several years since he had heard from them. And this letter that he writes that we started reading weeks ago is, is the whole letter is full of warmth and love and connection and encouragement and gratitude. I was thinking, how did he hold on to that love and affection and that sense of connection when he was essentially locked down. I wondered if maybe it wasn't always there. 
or if it ebbs and flows. He opens his letter in in Philippians 1 by saying he is remembering them and praying for them and holding them in his heart. He said, I thank my God every time for every remembrance of you. For you all are my partners in God's grace. You're my partners in God's grace. Both in my imprisonment and in defense and confirmation of the gospel. That's in the very first chapter, or the very first, um, yeah, chapter of his letter. So now here we are at the end of Philippians, in Philippians 4, and the text that we're going to read today is linked on the website if you want to pull that up or follow along. But here Paul is thanking them for remembering him. He's thanking them for the gifts that they sent to him through Epaphroditus. He is so happy that they have revived their concern for him. And the word revive the, literally means um, to bloom like flowers that have been dormant through the winter and bloom in the spring. So it sounds to me like Paul wasn't always sure that they were remembering him. He, he had to hold on through a long time of separation, being locked down, And there's evidence that he might, even in this letter, be trying to make sense of that. In chapter 4, verse 10, he says, I rejoice in, in the Lord greatly. Now, at last, you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned for me, but you had no opportunity to show it. Not that I'm referring to being in need, for I've learned to be content with whatever I have. I know what it is to have little. I know what it is to have plenty. In any and all circumstances, I've learned the secret of being well-fed or of going hungry, of having plenty or of being in need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. In any case, it was kind of you to share in my distress. Doesn't that sound a little bit like he's trying to convince himself that they cared all along? And he assures them he takes no offense that they didn't show show it. He says they may have not had an opportunity to show their concern. It, It isn't clear, but I wonder if he's convincing himself or giving giving them an excuse for not acting sooner to send this money on his behalf. And I I appreciate the ambiguity here because it's not like he's um, figuring out why they never replied to a text message or something. You know, he he can't just check his assumptions because there are no phones, there are no other means of communication. Letters have to be written and then sent by hand to be delivered to their destination. So, Paul is filling in the context based on the gift that he received, that he finally received. In the best possible light, he is leaning into mutuality and love. And he remembers their partnership in the past. He says in verse 15, you Philippians indeed know 
that in the early days of the gospel when I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you alone. For even when I was there in Thessalonica, you heard, you heard, you sent me help for my needs more than once. So he's been supported by them before. And he says, in the matter of giving and receiving. Theologian Carol Osik notes that this, this is business language, in the matter of giving and receiving. It technically means in the account of or to your account, there is giving and receiving, meaning this regular exchange happening. She notes that after three chapters of friendship language, Paul isn't switching gears to business language, but rather he's using financial language metaphorically to describe their relationship. It's an exchange. His affection and his gratitude are still woven in here. Their friendship is based on mutuality and reciprocity, a give and a take. He, his needs and theirs are linked in friendship and partnership in the gospel. So it's not a friendship that's just about usefulness or need. He's quick to add in verse 17, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the profit that accumulates in your account. He doesn't want more gifts. He wants to fill them up. He said, I have been paid in full and I have more than enough. I am fully satisfied now that I've received from Epaphroditus the gift that you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. He is filled up. He's fully satisfied. After waiting this long time without contact, this gift assured him that he is still in their hearts. And he points out that it's not just about expressing their affection for him. He switches with his metaphors, he switches the location of his metaphors from the bank, from this financial language, to the temple to say that their gift to him is pleasing to God. Their connection, their gift, their effort to reach him is an offering to God. And he started there too, in connection with God. That's part of what's held his connection to them so strong. He said in verse 10, he started by Paul saying, I rejoice in the Lord over this tangible evidence of the gift. Not because he was in need. Again, he's learned to be content in plenty or in want. But, but because of the evidence that life is still blooming that their partnership is still alive, that they together belong to the Lord and to one another. And then Paul uses one more business metaphor when he says, and my God, verse 19, and my God will fully satisfy every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To God, to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. 
God will supply everything they need from divine wealth. That's what he's saying. Glorious riches. God's riches are enough for everyone. This isn't about getting material wealth from God. This is an illusion. It's a, it's a familiar reference that he's using in context with the other business language that he's used. Paul makes it clear, makes that clear because he has just said that he has learned to be content without or in plenty. He's not promising material wealth from God. In fact, he tells them repeatedly in this letter to imitate him. So he's showing by example how to be content. He's saying that in Jesus Christ, God supplies all that he needs and all that the church in Philippi needs. We have an American um, individualistic lens that often gets applied when we read the Bible. And even to make sense of that verse in particular, that verse gets quoted a lot. You may have heard it before in other translations. Um, and my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. Um, but it's often quoted from like, even as like a personal life verse. But the context that Paul is saying it can't be understood between a person and God. Paul, Paul is saying God provides in the context of this mutuality. When we are in Christ, we are a blessing to one another. He's essentially saying, I hope that you giving to me is a blessing to you, too. This is a way of being. He's trying to, to paint this picture of a way of being as a Jesus community. I pour out, and then I make room for others to pour out for me. We all receive the blessing of forming a Christ community. There's mutuality, there's shared feeling, there's shared action, there's shared relationship. And my God will fully supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. When we are in Christ, God meets our needs. The Philippians were supporting Paul despite having very little themselves, because they were partners in the gospel. And Paul's imprisonment didn't stop him from contributing to this partnership in the gospel. In fact, his imprisonment served to advance the good news of Jesus in Rome. So Paul's doing what he can do, and they're doing what they can do. And together, it gives glory to God. Part of the strength that Paul is talking about when he says God gives him strength to be content in whatever circumstances, part of that strength comes from this evidence of the Philippians' revived concern for him. He's inspired to write this letter back and to pour into them encouragement and love and um, affirmation. 
their mutuality and partnership in the gospel is evidence of concern for one another all throughout this letter. More than anything else, Paul wants to be unified with them in a common faith and hope for the future. Then in his final blessing in verse 23, he says, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. In her commentary on Philippians, Carolyn, theologian Carolyn Osik notes that Paul uses you, when he says you, it's the word that is plural. So he means you together. Be with your, again, communal, your spirit, singular. So she, she notes that to call attention to the fact that it, it may, he may be referring to a common spirit, not each individual spirits. May you each individually feel good about this exchange, this relationship. He's saying, no, we share a common spirit and God's grace makes that possible. God's grace animates this community and our mutuality. So receiving this gift from them inspires him to write their revived concern for him, reminds him of their mutuality and relationship. So when we think about where we are as a church right now in society, having been through what we've been through in the last two years, I think about Paul's letter as a reminder that every opportunity to reach out and express concern may revive someone else's spirit. It, every opportunity to communicate love, concern, and mutuality builds a common spirit among us. And doing those things brings glory to God. Sharing a meal together, feeding one another, making a phone call, meeting up, watching someone else's kid, sharing our resources, passing along what you don't need anymore. The list goes on and on and on. You never know when someone else is desperate for sign of life and mutuality. You never know what kind of joy it can bring to deliver what you have, even out of your own meager resources, to communicate your concern for someone else. Just like the shoots on my wisteria plant, when any of us is lonely and feeling locked down in all kinds of ways, literal or metaphorical, Sending a gift of love for the glory of God and to build someone else up can be enough to revive that life. So may we continue in that and find ways in this coming week, no matter how small it is, to reach out and make that connection.
Let's take a moment to be still, to listen to what it is that's stirring in you, and then there'll be time to talk back. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected, visit circleofhope.church. You can also find us on Instagram or Facebook at circleofhopenet.com.